Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Bible Discoveries, the weekend show where we discuss big questions as they come up because we're reading through the Bible this year. So naturally, questions are going to come up as we try to digest and understand the scripture. And also, you guys send us really amazing questions as well. So we like to discuss those as they are pertinent to the scripture. But if this is your first time here again, my name is Corey, and I'm joined by Matlock, who is my husband. Hey, Matlock. Hey. Hey. What's going on? Why don't you tell the people what we were supposed to read this week? Because that's where our questions are coming right. from, our weekly well, reading. you're supposed to read <laughs> Job 1 to 28. Yes. But that's what we're discussing today anyways. So we if are, you didn't yeah, read it- Yeah, so all of our questions are coming from Job 1 to 28. Right. Yeah. That's right. If you didn't read it, you can always catch up in the weekly recap. Yeah. Which is 10 minutes long. Pretty good. But for now, yeah. But all these questions, though, are pertaining to Job 1 and 2. So, lots of questions. Lots of questions about Job 1 and 2, chapters 1 and 2, as, what, as opposed to the, you know, the other 26 chapters that are there. That makes sense, though, because really the stakes are set right. in Job 1 and 2, and then the rest of Job is kind of discussion based off right. of the premise. So that makes sense. It does make sense, yeah. Giving everybody a break here. Our big question, of <laughs> course, is going to be why does God allow evil? That's going to be a, our big question for today, but... For our first question, yeah. all right, okay. I'll, I'll launch things First question based on Job. They're all viewer questions. Last week we had all Bible questions. Now we have all viewer questions Perfect. this time. Okay, Perfect. see how this works out. All right, here we go. This is from Denise K. I've been a Christian for only three years, so there are several things about the Bible that I do not understand. I've really been upset when reading the book of Job. I cannot understand why God would be working with Satan for any reason. Satan is supposed to be the father of lies and deceit. God even tells Satan that Job still maintains his integrity, though you, Satan, incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. I do understand that God tests us, but I do not understand that God would have any kind of interest in what Satan has to say. Would you please explain this to me so I can stop thinking about it? Thank you. Right. Okay. Okay, so there's a few different elements to this question, Denise. Um, And... One of them, you know, God working with Satan or Satan having an official role in heaven, being an accuser of the brethren, that that whole thing. Malik has written an article yes. about that on our website, BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And I'll so, post a link below for that as well. Perfect. Because that will, that will give you, I think, a, a more rounded answer for that. But I at, at the end of your question there... Um, you say something interesting. You said, I do understand that God tests us, but I do not understand that God would have any kind of interest in what Satan has to say. Would you please explain this to me? All right. So it is not as though Satan is saying anything that God, that is surprising. God is all has all knowledge, all power. Um, So it's not as though Satan is informing God of anything new, but God's interaction here with Satan is really serving a purpose, and that is to teach us, right? The the scripture is being written here for us. So God's interaction here is for the purposes of teaching us. Um, So I think that's a really important a really, really important foundation just moving forward that, you know, if if there really were interactions going on, 
Like God has, what am I trying to say here? God has, through the scriptures here, allowed us into this conversation for a very specific purpose. So if I'm having a private conversation with somebody, I'm going to speak to them differently than if I'm having a conversation with somebody and someone else is there who I know is my secondary audience. Do you see what I'm saying here? So like me and Matlock talking in the car, for example, if we're driving somewhere in the car, we talk differently when it's just us two in the car versus when we have our children in the car because we know that our children are a secondary audience for us. So I'd say here in the book of Job, Satan isn't even the primary audience. We're the primary audience. So this book is being written for us. So I don't think it is that God has any sort of interest in what Satan would have to say. It is more that God is utilizing the words of Satan and the role of Satan, the adversary of mankind, in order to elucidate, to, in order to teach us more about who God is and how we should understand our suffering in light of who God is. Right. Now, what would you say? No, that's pretty good. Um, I think there's a lot here because on one hand, she's saying, how could God even stomach Satan? Um, and in another sense, um, she's really just like, why even bother with this at all? Mm -hmm. So I think that at bottom, it comes out of, well, why would God even allow Satan to exist? Mm -hmm. That's really, like, if you really kick that bucket down the road far enough, that's ultimately what it comes down to. Why would God even allow evil? Now, that's a big question. I'm not going to answer that now. Mm -hmm. But I think that's really what that comes down to. That's kind of the heart. It's like, why are we even doing this? Now, in terms of its relationship to Job, um, we know that uh, Satan is purpose. Like, what's Satan's motivation here, right? Mm -hmm. Satan wants to be worshipped, as we know in Matthew, right, in different areas. When he tempts Christ, Satan wants to be worshipped. Satan wants to make knock down God a notch to a creaturely equal. Mm -hmm. um, and if that's the case, if he can make God lose in one instance, because in this case you have um, uh, what happens. So Satan, uh, God's like, "Have you seen Job?" Like God brings it up, and Satan's like, "Yeah." And the only reason he's a good guy is because you give him everything. The reason why he's, he has all these things because he has everything. If I, if you'd let me have him, basically, I'll have him blaspheme your name. And God's like, okay. So do whatever you want. It's like, just don't kill him. Not a harm will be on his head mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so God permits this evil to happen. Well, Satan, like if you think about it this way, if we're all free world creatures as a Satan to some extent, um, it's Satan who's doing the evil. Satan could, hypothetically, right? Because he was, he fell. He was good at one point. Be like, not want to just completely destroy someone's life. So evil, it's not God wants to destroy this person. It's evil wants to destroy this person. Right, and God's using this evil that exists currently in the universe and exists currently to, like you were saying, teach us something. Mm -hmm. To perhaps it's about perseverance through the utmost suffering, and that the suffering that through this suffering, um, your truest under the, the truest and purest form of understanding meaning could come out of it, uh, and that there's yeah. an actual purpose for suffering. And ironically, it doesn't appear like that's the end result at the end of Job. Right. Right. Because the way he describes, he's kind of like lambastes him. Um, but because that's not that's not the central theme in Job, it's just an underpinning theme. Yeah. But I think that um just looking at like how would God deal with <clears throat> Satan at all, I think God just has a greater plan afoot. Mm -hmm. Um and I'll I'll answer that as I said, the heart of this question later. 
but I think it has to do with God's plan and, you know, utilizing our own wills for his, for his glory and his yeah. kingdom. And I think we also have to take a look at the, the, the initial premise of right. Satan, which is a premise that I think some of us do falsely hold, is that we worship God because he protects us, because he gives us good things, because he makes our life more joyful, more peaceful, more happy. Now, in a sense, those things are true. God does give us joy. He does give us peace. And in many cases, he does enable us to have good things like family and food. But the premise there of Satan is that Job worships God because God is protecting him. Right. So is that, I mean... At, at the at the face, at the front end of the book of Job, we're confronted with that. Do we worship God because he protects us from physical pain? Or do we worship God because he is true regardless of pain or peace? Right. And that's Job's final response. After, Job was like, okay, well, there has to be justice here. God, I feel like you've been unjust, but I know you're not. He's confused. And then God comes and he judges him. He's like, how do you know? Do you know about this? Basically, uh, lambase Job yeah. with like given a situation too. He seems kind of kind of harsh, but he lambase Job being like, "Look, you don't have a sense of cosmic justice. You don't know what I'm dealing with." And notice I didn't even mention Satan the whole time. Like Job is not even privy to Satan's working no. here. They all no. assume it's God, no. right? So, um, so th- what happens is after Job lamb- uh, after God lambase Job, um, Job goes, "Well, I repent in dust and ashes, right? I, I, I see you now with my own two eyes, and you've shown me things that are too wonderful to understand." Yeah. Um, in other words, even amidst through this pain and suffering, Job's humility and humbleness comes through uh, as the cornerstone of his faith. Essentially, it's right there. No matter what he goes through, he will have faith. Because even his wife, he goes, "Just curse God and die," mm-hmm. right? Just. Just enough with it, right? It's just like, so everyone's doing it. She's so, like, so done. Right, everyone's done so, with so it. So, so done. And even, and, and then Job's steadfast faith, which James records, is his steadfast perseverance and faithfulness in God is what you can see through this. Like, no matter what He's you... He's stubborn. He wants an answer. <laughs> yeah. He did. Yeah. He wanted yeah. an answer. That's like, in right. so many ways. He's like, God, show up, show up, show up. Right. He doesn't get the answer he's expecting, but no, that's right. Because yeah, not to get too far into it, because I know we're dealing with more so Satan than we are Job, but we don't want to deal with the cosmological justice or anything like that, but um, or even just celestial justice. Um, but in specifically, why would God use like allow Satan to do things? I think God just has a greater plan. I think that's just the card of the answer. It also touches it went to what I said before. Why does God allow evil? They're connected. We'll get into that at the very end, mm-hmm. but um, uh. We have to trust in God's good. We know God is love. We know God is true. We know God is good. We know God is is just uh, is just, and he's merciful, right? Mm-hmm. We know these things. So it's like we can't question God in this process. Mm-hmm. It's really about why would God, who is all those things, allow these things for us finite creatures mm-hmm. um, who are inherently not good, mm-hmm. right? Who have fallen and stuff like that. So that's kind of the way. And God is willing to, and on a positive note, you know, if you, she says, why would God work with Satan? If God's willing to work with Satan, right, who's as evil as they come, how much more is he willing to work with us, right? Do you see what I'm saying there? Um, so I think that is like 
a testimony to God working with us, and, and especially if we're repentant and sincere and humble and seeking after him in all ways. Um, so I, I don't see the fact that he's, quote-unquote, working. I don't even see anyone he's working with. It's more so just, uh, he's got him on a leash, I think John Piper says. Um, but I think, but I think there's an exposure of the truth that is at the core of this, where you right. have, you know, the father of lies. You have, you have a, a false premise that we worship God because of his physical premise. And now there's going to be an exposure that that is actually false. Right. And that people who worship God in spirit and truth worship God because he is true. He exists. He right. is real. Not because he is protecting us from physical pain right. or discomfort. So there is a lie. There is a false premise. And now through this, there is going to be the truth that is revealed. Right. I think ultimately too. But this rolls us into our next viewer question sure. that I'm going to ask. Uh, this is from Chris. He asks, how could God destroy Job's life, his family, wealth, reputation over a wager? It just sounds wrong. I accept it because it is God who did it. I just don't agree with it. Right. Okay. Um, for one thing, he didn't destroy his life over a wager. Now, Satan's wagering God, but God's all-knowing, so it's not a wager. Mm -hmm. It's not like God can roll the dice and not know what's going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. So God's clearly doing this for a, you know, a greater purpose than we possibly understand. Uh, so for one sense, he's not doing it over a wager. That's for one. I reject that. But um, the other part of this question is, I think it's wrong, but I accept it because it's good that you accept it because it is God, and that's, and that's a form of obedience. I don't agree with it. I think that the heart right there, I don't agree with it. I think the way to think about this, I think that's just, it comes down to a conflict of understanding this whole dilemma. Um, you know, it's not like it, there's an option to disagree with God. Because, no, 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 but so, you are but allowed to wrestle. You're allowed, of course. No, of like, course you're allowed Chris to wrestle, wrestle with it. With this, for right, sure. but we have to look at it from the perspective of God is doing this for right reasons. I don't understand it. Things too wonderful for me to see, too, too wonderful for me to know, as Job mm -hmm. says. But I accept it, right? As that, and I know that it's good, mm -hmm. and so therefore I don't disagree with what God's doing. I'm struggling to understand why He's doing it, right? And I think that, to me, is the appropriate attitude, as opposed to I just don't agree with it. Now, granted, mm -hmm. everyone speaks differently. Perhaps it's the heart of what's being said yeah, there, absolutely. And that's just the way you know this is the human language. Um, but yeah, I would think that's the, the the attitude there has to be. We know God is good, and so why would He be doing this? Well, and that's um, what that's that's and this, Job, and that's that Job. is literally Job's that's, whole thing. That's right. Yeah, but once again, it's not over a wager. Yeah. Uh, and the question is, why would God destroy someone's whole life uh, over this whole thing that Satan is doing? And again, you kick that bucket far enough. It's like, why does God allow evil at all? Mm -hmm. like this whole it always boils down to that ultimate question mm -hmm. that the uh, the the theodicy that we're going to be discussing today, because Ultimately, it boils down to it's like, why does God allow Satan, you know, as Piper says, to have a long leash? Mm -hmm. uh, why does God allow Satan to do the things that he does in general? Why not to squish him now, end it, so that we don't have to deal with this? Mm -hmm. um, why not just make us completely good, right? And it's like, and then from the very beginning, and not even have all of this evil stuff, anyways. So it seems like in order to create creatures that are loving and, and caring, and the creatures that are, that are reflections of God, they have the will 
like God to some degree. Now we're finite. We don't have like the same uh, power as God or the sovereignty or, or the knowledge or anything like that. But we have these free wills that we have that are navigating how to handle life. And that includes angels, right? They're not sovereign either. They're not all powerful. Um, and it, it, it's one of those things where, you know, with the, with the Amorites, God gives enough uh, leash for them to, to come to repentance and then they eventually don't. It's almost like God's building a case. Like if this is a courtroom setting, it's like I gave you all this time. He gave well, you all this things. Yeah. He's being fair. Yeah. He's right. I, I, and and also in, in creating a case against mm -hmm. those who are evil, he makes a case for himself. Mm -hmm. So in other words, come judgment day, he's going to show why everyone's evil. He's going to judge everyone accordingly. Right. And then in the process, he won't be wrong a single time mm -hmm. and everyone's going to see it. It's like you build a case about why in these creatures who have limited knowledge, aren't all knowing, then can see you've spent all this time proving to us that you're God, that you can't be, that you're pure good, you are true. There's not a, there's not a single lie in you, um, right? And, and given our limited knowledge, I think that would be beneficial. Like, I can't see how that would be unbeneficial at all and proving that uh, that to us by by lowering like, like Christ came down to lower himself he comes down to our standards and shows us look I'm perfect there's no way you can even doubt it now here's all the evidence basically mm -hmm. um if I could say that and that's a pretty crude way of putting it but that's kind of where I'm at with that so uh what do you think though yeah so I think it's interesting how this is worded Chris where you say how could God destroy job's life his family wealth reputation? It, this is so interesting because this is one of the questions that the book of Job really confronts us with in that what constitutes, like what, what actually is value, valuable? Because I think, I think your categorization here is true that what we value, what we understand as humans, what we see as valuable is our family, our wealth, our reputation. But most of those things are not actually what our life is made up out of. Our wealth and our reputation, that's not following us into the kingdom of God. It's not following us into heaven, into the new heavens and the new, and the new earth. Family, yeah. So this concept of God destroying Job's life, by allowing those things in Job's life to be destroyed, the book of Job shows us that God actually enhanced Job's life by bringing Job to a place of understanding God on an, in a new way and on a new level. So family is important. I'm not trying to downplay the lives of Job's children. But what we know from the text is that Job was very careful to fulfill the Mosaic law for his children, even though this may have been set before the Mosaic law. So he's offering sacrifices for his children. For all intents and purposes, we should see them as being with God. So it's very tempting for us as humans to look at this from a temporal point of view, because we live in time and space. We live here on earth. I can't even imagine what would it be like to lose all my children and all of you know, the things that make up my life, my home, the my, my friends, uh, 
the, the modest wealth that I do have my sustenance. Uh, but at the same time, need to recognize that those are not the things that are actually valuable. And these, so God has a larger plan in mind in terms of this world will pass away, but we will be resurrected from the dead and we will be living with God in the new heavens and the new earth. So there is there is a more long scale plan right. than this. So his children were lost to him for a time. It does not appear that they were lost to God. They will be remade of new heavens and the new earth. Um, so I, I and think he that it's- he prophesies in, that Job too. He does. Right. So I, I think that, I, I think that this really does draw out for us what is life actually made of? What is actually important? Um, and is it possible that by destroying the things that we believe constitute our life here on earth, that actually that ended up enhancing Job's life because then he continued to live, but now with a full understanding of who God was. And I think that is what the book of Job sets up for us, is that at the end of the day, God restores to Job what he had plus more, but now Job has a fuller understanding of who God is, and he's right. more at peace with who God is. Right. And I think there, there would be some um, hesitation to say, well, you wouldn't want your first kids to die so you can have new kids. I think that would be, you know, that would be the skeptic would be like, so are you, you're just, you know, how is that actually helping? You know, actually, yeah. I, I've gone through a few really difficult experiences in my life. Um, and this actually gave me great peace, a detail in the book of Job that seems like a small detail, but it's meant a lot to me in my life where everything else, God gives Job double. He gives him double cattle, double sheep, double camels that he had before, but he only gives him the exact amount of children that he had before. And I believe that's be this is a personal thing, but I but why why would that be the case? And I believe it's because his children aren't extinguished from existing that he will meet them again in the new heavens and the new earth. And so his children are essentially doubled because he had seven before and seven after. So he had double what he had before. Right. Uh and and I and yeah. So yeah, so that's it, good. you know, it, it's Again, God's not callously going, oh, here's seven more children. Right. Um, and I think the book of Job, the author of the book of Job draws that out for us by being very specific to mention he gets double of everything else, but the exact same amount of children because that is a doubling of his children. Right. And, and it's a, a, a side note, it's also a completely different world. Like when you look back at um, just the way that people lived back then, mm -hmm. like death happened Children died all the time. Mm -hmm. This isn't like our world where we can have medical health care and, and preserve, you know, praise God that we can actually preserve children long enough to see them grow up. So many kids would just pass away. Mm -hmm. um, and because uh, you know, of Job's, you know, he had a life, it looks like it, most of his kids survived. And like that, then, you know, Satan comes in and like, hey, destroy this guy. Um, I, I think that at bottom, we just have to be so careful about having a poor perspective of God. Um, and one, Job treats God holy and just, and he's the one suffering. Mm -hmm. And we're the ones who are all uptight about it. Mm -hmm. That's what I think is really interesting. So it's like you well, have, Job was pretty upset. No, 
Yes. He's pretty but angry. I'm saying, I know, I know he was. But what I'm saying is he's the one who repents. Right. Like he that, see, when he when he finally is able to speak to God face to face. Yes. It's reconciled immediately. Yes. He's like, all right. That's right. You've got this. You've got the plan. I don't understand the plan. I trust you. And and that was like, and we even see Job prophesies like, well, like when I my flesh has been rotting away and I'm completely gone, I will come back with my own two eyes. I will see you for who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can't. I think it was Job thirty one or something. I can't remember. But the point here is that is that Job is is prophesying about seeing his Lord, and that's what he wants to see. And he's struggling because God also seems like he's committing injustice, but he's not. Um, and so that's what God's also dealing with in this culture. You have three of his friends who are like, God would never, they have the sense of almost karmaic understanding of God. God gives good things to good people, bad things to bad people. Right? Karma, yeah. Right? So. Um, Ish. Karmaic. <laughs> I know. I just. <laughs> yeah, in that zone. It's not a word you it's hear often. I don't yeah, it's not perfect. Full yeah, it's not perfect. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, it's fine. But, anyways, the, the point here is that. Uh, that God's also combating this attitude, right? right. That's that's with that's within the culture. So um it's kind of I'm kind of everywhere right now, kind of scattered. But I think at the bottom of it all, uh we should really be looking at Job not as an example about how evil, not evil, but how mean or how, how much we disagree with God. But we'll really come down to being like, look at like James says, look how amazing Job's perseverance is. Like God forbid we go through the things Job goes through. But um when it happens, you have an example of someone who's with you throughout this process mm-hmm. that you can, that you. And who stood in the end and basically said it was worth it. That's right. Because he was able to accept that it was in the plan of God and that That's God's right. goodness outweighs the suffering. That's right. That's right. And so I think that having that faithfulness in God, despite all the suffering, because the suffering is temporary, um, is just. You need fixating your 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 vision and your mind and your heart on God's goodness. Can't I can't speak more of it enough. It just needs to happen. To doubt God's goodness would put you in really dangerous territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of what Job was dealing with. That is what he was dealing with. He's doubting his justice, and that's why he repented. So, but at the same time, uh, his life is for our understanding. So that we know when we do go through, because everyone's going to go through suffering in this world. But then when we do go through suffering, we know that it's not for naught. That's not for nothing. Mm-hmm. That God has a greater plan. And it's actually useful. It's purposeful. It's uh, It can be used for great good. And I think that's what's really powerful about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to cycle through yeah. then. Linda has a question. Sure. She said, I still wonder though when God already knows what will happen, what we will do. And I always wondered if there was a plan B. Like even with Adam and Eve, he knew they would eat the forbidden fruit. So sometimes I wonder if he played games with Satan, like Job and other ones in the Bible. Okay. First off, I don't think God has a plan B. Uh, I know that's not an immediate question she's asking, but I don't think God has a plan B. I think that God's plan was always to, like you're dealing with creatures who can choose to turn away from God. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you already have naturally there people who are rejecting God and God's using is working his purpose through us fallible creatures and he's doing it perfectly so i don't think a perfect while still allowing us to have free will right which is mysterious to us because we are not we really God. don't quite understand it yeah i'm not gonna be like you know uh, <laughs> like i say yeah uh, my thoughts are not your thoughts my ways are far high above right? that's right 
So it's really beyond our grasp. But so I would say that no, don't believe it's a plan B. I think Jesus Christ was supposed to come. Um, I think that actually factors into the final question, which everything's going to come down. I just keep saying, oh, why is God allowed? It all boils down to that, our understanding of that. But what about this idea of playing games? Yeah. God playing games with Satan. Yeah, I don't think that God's playing, first of all, playing game with Satan, as if like they're two players on a chessboard, um, as if, you know, God's the white team and Satan's the black team and God has the first move and they're equally minded, you know, they're competing. I, I don't think that's the case. I Because that makes it sound like, um, you know, God has a competitor that's equal to him and that's not at all what's happening here. God permits Satan to do his evil ways. And I think that's his answer to that. So I don't think he's playing games. Um, I think that's to make, once again, is this idea that God is somehow terrible and granted that's the whole discussion today how we could god be forget, e- how could god be good in light of all the evil we also seem to forget that satan is a creature as well that has yes. a free will that's different than ours but yes. it's still his will yes and so god creating creatures with will there's going to be rebellion and there is and we see yeah. satan rebellion rebelling and we see humanity rebelling but god deals with them differently yeah so it's not as though god is playing games with satan but there certainly is you know god working his plan out that's right. through and despite both Satan and humanity. Right. Yeah, and that's exactly right. So it's like, it's not as simple as just, to look at it like a game, I think is, um, it, it devalues how God's omnipotence, just how powerful and sovereign and holy, not, not that that's intentional. Because I think it's like when you're dealing with the culture and everyone talking about it, you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, so why is that the case? I'm not accusing anyone of anything. I think that the attitude of looking at God like he's just playing us like pawns is, because he's all-knowing, is not a loving attitude. To look at life like it's a game, I think, could really create a bad way. Like, everything's spiritual points. You're mm-hmm. getting, you know, it, 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 it creates a really bad way of looking at the world. Um, so, yeah, I, wouldn't, I would never call it a game. I, I think that that's very... Games are, yeah, I think that's, I can, I can lead down to a dangerous path. Yeah. Is God using us for his purpose? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like all things. Like we're made of clay. The idea is that God, should the should the pot yell at the potter is the idea, right? Should the clay yell at the, who made who made him into something? Yeah. So I think this idea is that God is sovereign. He's above us. He's holy. He's good. We know he's omnibenevolent. Like it's, we should not be, um, looking at it from those lens because it could lead us down a path where you just distrust in the essence of what goodness is and once you distrust in the essence of goodness you don't know what the difference is between right and wrong and i'm not saying that that is what's happening in this case yeah but it can be the case to say it a different way sure we need god has given us enough examples historically and hopefully in your own life as a christian as well enough testimonies to display his goodness and his provision and his love and his justice so that when things happen that hit us and really confuse us or cause us to struggle, and it's going to be different for every person what that thing is that causes them to really struggle. But then we have those signposts where we can look back and we can go, no, I may not understand this, but here's what I do know. God is good, God is just, he's merciful, he's righteous, I can trust him. And that really goes a long way in in helping us to 
work through the issue that we're wrestling with. So in that way, um, when you, I think what you're, what I hear you saying is that when you use that language of God is just playing a game with Satan with our lives, yeah. there feels that comes with a with an intimation of callousness yes. on God's part. Like, yeah, he, like doesn't he doesn't love, love us. us. Right. He isn't merciful towards us. That he's not just, because it's just a game. It's just for kicks and giggles, right? Exactly, yeah. But that's not the picture that God has proven himself, that he has drawn for us through the history of Israel and through the history of the Bible. He's drawn for us a very different picture of himself. So it's okay to struggle with these issues, especially with issues of, of, of evil and, and suffering. It's good to struggle with these issues, but always bearing in mind the truth that we do have, the revealed truth that we do have about God. Right. Yeah. And uh, there's a second edge to this question. It's actually the same person, Linda. Mm -hmm. Linda, yeah. hey, Linda, how are you doing? Um, so she has a second edge to the same question. If God already knew that Job would remain faithful, why was he playing this game with Satan? It bugs me. It's like we're a chessboard. My oldest sister lost all of her children, three of them. The first when he was a baby, the second when he was a senior in high school, the third when she was a bad wreck when she was in college. She was in a coma for six weeks. I prayed to God at the bottom of her bed to let her live. She lived, finished college. She was 36. She woke up with pains and couldn't breathe, so she went to the ER. The doctors did an MRI and other tests and sent her home. The next day she died from pulmonary embolism. The tech guy didn't catch it in the, the MRI. I always say my sister is a modern day Job because she herself has a has had a brain tumor and lupus and a lump on her parathyroid. She had to have it removed. Yeah. Wow, this is, this is loaded because it comes with so much suffering. And I'm so sorry to hear that, Linda, about your sister and about your, your nieces and nephews. I, I, that very, very, very difficult. Um, I want to I wanna first start with that first sentence there. If God already knew that Job would remain faithful, why was he playing this game with Satan? And to that I would say, because it wasn't about Satan. It was about Job, right? So rather than us seeing Job losing his life and all the things that made it valuable, when we take a step back, we can actually see it and we look at the book of Job as a whole, the life of Job as a whole, even though there was tremendous pain and suffering in Job's life, we see by the end of the book of Job that Job sees his life not as lost, but as enhanced by the suffering that he went through because now he understands who God is and who he is in relation to, to God. So his life was actually enhanced by the suffering that he went through. And that is, I, I know that it, that is such an easy thing for me to say, but I'm sure it would not have been an easy thing for Job to say, and yet he says it. Yet he goes on with his life praising God, sacrificing to God, praying to God after this because God brought him peace with the understanding and knowledge of who God was. So that's the first thing. I don't believe that God was playing a game with Satan. It never was about Satan. It was about Job. And it was about us learning who God is and who we are 
through Job's experience, who we are in, in light of who God is. And that is we are creatures and he is the creator and he is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, and yes, just, and that he has a plan. We are not living just for the here and now. We will live again in the new heavens and the new earth. Now, a, a lot of times we get ourselves overwhelmed with the amount of suffering that we see. And the because, because we, we would like it to be, I think we would like it to be a one for one. I sinned, therefore I'm sick. Um, like we see in the New Testament, the disciples going, who sinned that, that this man was born blind? Jesus, was it his parents or was it him? And Jesus says, neither. But this is for a demonstration, I'm paraphrasing, but this is for a demonstration of God's power. So it's not suffering and, and physical trauma that we go through does not have a one for one, like I sinned and now therefore I'm going right. through this trauma. That's just not the way it is. A lot of the, the, the suffering, the physical suffering that we experience now comes from the, the original act of sin, right. which was Adam and Eve choosing to go from a place of provision where God, his presence is literally here on earth with us and he provides for us and we expand his kingdom on earth. Well, they chose that they wanted to be like God. They wanted that role. They wanted to be that authority. They got to decide what was right and wrong, not God. But it turns out that that came with the loss of our provision. And so now humanity is left to deal with these consequences where we now have to provide for ourselves. And it turns out that doesn't go so well, right? So a lot of these physical issues that we deal with, it's not a one for one. It's not as though Satan is causing all of these things for us or that it's our sin that's causing all these things for us. But a lot of it is stemming from the fact that we now live in a fallen world. Right. And I think the, the, the way to look at it is what is suffering? Suffering is alienation from God. It's in which, it, what is alienation from God? It's sin, the fallen world that we live in. So when Job sees God with his own eyes, he stops suffering. Yes. He, he realizes his wrongs despite everything he went through and he goes and he worships him. Mm. So you think about that because God is not just true and good. God is also life. He is eternal life. Mm -hmm. So you think that suffering is alienation from God and we live in this fallen world which is alienated from God. And that is the reason why. So you think about why that is what it is. Well, it really seems like then at the end of it all, when we see God face to face, we can look back and be like, I never want that again, which kind of gets into the big question. So like on resurrection day, right? You, you wake up and God judges everyone, but knowing of, of a world, what it was like without God, when we kicked him out, are you ever going to want that again? Mm -hmm. I think that would be no. You know that there was so much suffering, so much evil, so much chaos that happened when God was not in, not right when we, God was not being worshipped. So much so, so that when you are resurrected, th there's no way that any believer will be like, "I want that again." A world without God, mm -hmm. because a world without God is too <clears throat> painful. There's too much suffering. There's torment. All that stuff. So. Why would God allow evil? Well, 
perhaps for that day, so that when we know, when we get into heaven, we go through those pearly gates, we know that for sure, as free world creatures who are still limited, perhaps, perhaps as free world in heaven, I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps that God uses this time to show us what life is like without him. So that when we see him, we never want that again. Um, because Satan rebelled. Satan, who was in the presence of God, yeah. rebelled. So if that's possible, perhaps he's using this, like, look, he's using this as an opportunity to show us what it means not to fall, and what it means to have Christ truly. And he's progressively showing us this path. And, and, and the nicest possible, it probably, rather than look at life like it's all suffering, look at it like it's a mercy. It's a mercy as opposed, so it's just a different way of looking at it. Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 don't, don't apologize. I was just going to say, so our big question is why does God allow evil? But I want to make a distinction here because um, suffering is not evil. Suffering exists because of sin, because of evil, but suffering in and of itself is not evil. And what I mean by that is like suffering is pain, right? Right. Pain and suffering are, they are, they exist because of sin. They exist right. because of evil, because Satan fell, because Adam and Eve fell. But suffering is not evil itself. Pain is not bad itself. And like our very biology teaches us this, right? That, that, that most times we experience pain, it's a bad thing. We have to withdraw from the pain, right? Right. Which is very instructive, right? When I do something and it hurts me, I know I shouldn't do that thing. Uh, but we also know that that's not always the case, that there is some suffering and very real pain that leads to really good things. I mean, you think about... Um, um, Childbirth? Building, yeah, yeah, but so lesser version, building your endurance right. in sports or in, in health and fitness. Your muscles really ache as they're getting stronger. But yeah, the ultimate example, of course, is childbirth. Right. It hurts really bad, <laughs> really bad, like pushes you beyond, speaking from my own experiences, pushes you beyond what you think you can handle. Right. Like if you didn't know what was happening, you would think you were dying. Right. But then at the end of that, you see the little face and it's all okay. And you do it again and it's all forgotten because you see that adorable little face. You see what you have on the other side. So I just wanted to make that distinction that suffering and pain are not evil in and of themselves, but they are a result. Yeah, or a subcategory evil. of. But I think that it's really interesting because... Um, in Romans 5, the Apostle Paul links suffering with hope. Right. Where he says, um, I'm just going to read you the first sure. four ver five verses just so there's a little bit of context here. He goes, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So the suffering that we experience now as Christians, 
can lead us into greater things in our relationship with God and will ultimately bring us to a place of hope. It can. It can do these things if we stick with God through our sufferings. And again, I know it's really easy to say and it's much more difficult to apply when you're actually going through a period of suffering. Yeah. No, that's good. And Paul says rejoice in your suffering. Yeah. Suffering is not the end or the essence of evil. It's a part of it. God can use that evil, that those terrible things for good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and once again, as like Paul's saying, the suffering leads to perseverance, a perseverance character. And character, hope. Exactly. And James says a very similar thing. In James 1 verse 2, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So we have this idea of allowing God to really anchor us so that when we're going through trials, when we're going through these things, um, and, and we find ourselves asking, why God? Ask God for wisdom and be strong in 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 your faith that that you know who he is that you know he is good and that he speaks to his children. Mm. And don't you think that's really interesting that he links James suffering with wisdom. Uh-huh. In other words this this suffering that you go through leads to perseverance and that perseverance leads to wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um and you have to ask God for it, of course to to obtain it like Solomon. And that's so important because you can't the type of wisdom it's a reversal of the Garden of Eden, mm. where Adam and Eve lusted after the wisdom, right? Uh, that they wanted that came from the fruit. And in this case, which is so sweet and pleasurable, as opposed to something that's suffering, or right? a, a cup of wrath, essentially, um, the cup of suffering. So you have here uh, a reversal in, in a small way of that Garden of Eden, where, of the Garden of Eden where God is trying to make you wise through your suffering, mm-hmm. which is that, I talked about earlier, with that meaning, like there's meaning behind this. And w- what is that wisdom? The, the ability to harmonize um, the truths that are both hidden and revealed in a way that can be spoken plainly, uh, to, to make it into know-how, to wield it like a, like a tool, uh, whether in vocabulary or in your or in, or in your actions. So it's it's quite the thing to see that that suffering can be used for good. Mm-hmm. And then we have to ask ourselves again, like why like why would that be the case? Why would suffering, well, it's like, well, if we live in a fallen world, what is God trying to do? He's trying to prepare us for eternal life, for eternal purpose. So there's something there, and obviously we can't get to the whole answer to everything with this. This is a huge question. Um, you can't possibly answer it all, all the different angles in one go. But uh, no, I think that at bottom, it has to do with our, Heavenly purses, our mission, our kingdom building mission here. And there just will be something. Christ suffered, right? Yep. For for what? Our eternal life. Yep. Um, and we're called to participate in that suffering, right? To be like Christ, mm-hmm. to imitate Paul and the apostles who all suffered. So 
and it was to be uh, have joy in that suffering. Mm -hmm. So, and that's also a conflict. How do you have joy in suffering? So you see there that you have something that is more fundamental, love, perseverance, joy, yeah. is more fundamental than the suffering itself. Exactly. So that is our joy is is not drawn ultimately from our physical lives around right. us. Though so those things can bring us joy, of but course. ultimately our joy comes from the hope of God through faith in Jesus Christ that that there is a plan of redemption for us that we've been sealed for that and that we've been marked for it is what i mean and that in the new heavens and the new earth we will receive that the the fulfillment of our faith in Christ and we will be in the presence of God right yeah. so so like there's evil in the world it exists because God created free will for his creatures and so evil yeah. so, so so we have made decisions against god um but there is a larger plan and that that god has and we're guaranteed that it will be worth it as we read the prophets as we read you know through the scriptures that the 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 fulfillment of the kingdom of god will be worth it justice will be had and we will be living in the presence of God. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the only way you can really answer in such a short time. Mm -hmm. But I think that's, I think it's the, the heart of it, basically. Yeah. Right. And yeah. there is, if anyone's interested in more of like a philosophical or intellectual angle from this, uh, there's a author named Clay Jones. He writes a book, Why Does God Allow Evil? I think the same title as this. And it's a wonderful book. Um, it gets into the nature of like, why would God allow Satan to live? Like all the kind of deeper questions. I recommend that book. It's quite good. He's evangelical, so... He uh, comes from a different angle than most philosopher, uh, philosophers will do today. Mm -hmm. So I think that's uh, quite good. Mm -hmm. Anyways, that's about it. That's my two cents on that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure there's more questions. If you agree with us, if you disagree with us, pop it down in the comments below. Uh, if you have more questions for us as we're going through now more of the wisdom literature of the Bible, so we're coming up on Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, songs, all of that, uh, please pop any questions that you have uh, for upcoming episodes down below. And until next week, I hope you have a really good time reading and studying, and we'll see you there. Thank you so much for watching. We want to keep producing high quality biblical content, but we can't do it without your support. If you feel called to support us, please click the link in the description under donate. Your support really means a lot to us.